Hello and welcome to Personally Invested. I'm your host, Dave Richardson. And I don't think there's a much more exciting area of investment markets than technology and health sciences. Uh, it's an area of particular focus for investors uh, throughout the pandemic and now as we're moving past the pandemic. And so I'm really pleased to be joined uh, by RBC Global Asset Management's leads in this area, uh, Robert Cavallo and Marcello Montaneri. Guys, welcome to the, to the podcast. Yeah, great. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us on. So this, uh, as I said, this is an area that draws a lot of interest, particularly uh, for new investors. But, but you know, what's happening all around us with respect to technology and, and what we've seen with the vaccine and all the things around uh, what, what's going on in medicine and pharmaceuticals and all, all these areas are, are, are really some of the most exciting areas of life, not just in investment. And you've managed to, to land in this, in this fantastic place. Uh, Marcello, what, what drew you to, to getting into investment management in, in the first place? And then how did you end up where you are right now in terms of this particular area? Huh. I, I've never been asked that question. Um, if I had to, you know, put my finger on it, I think it was from my dad. My dad just loved playing stocks. He didn't know really much about valuation and things like that, but he, uh, he'd open up the paper every morning and, um, he was just a restaurateur and, uh, you know, just worked uh, like a dog his entire life. And, um, but he loved the stocks and he kind of just got me into it. And, uh, so, you know, I went to university and took finance courses and, um, you know, uh, out of getting out of school, I ended up at a, a company called FRI Corporation that did um, third-party valuations of bond funds, um, uh, of individual uh, bonds and stuff like that, because they weren't quoted on exchanges and stuff. And then I ended up a Canadian bond rating service where they put me with the telecom team. And that was back in 95. So that was kind of at the, the, the beginning of the internet, right? And uh, so they kind of put me with the telecom team and um, I was fortunate because a, a Canadian bond rating service, uh, it's, um, which is now Standard & Poor's, by the way, um, management teams come in and um, they're, they're very open with you because, because um, they share a lot of non-public information. So it was, uh, it was really beneficial to be there because I met a lot of uh, telecom people who were really smart. And um, the way they were talking about the internet and how it was uh, coming about was, was, uh, was really I was so fortunate to be there. And um, so uh, I moved from Canadian Bond Rating Service to RBC uh, in the Montreal office. I'm originally a Montrealer. Bonjour à tous. Um, and uh, <laughs> um, so uh, they put me in telecom and then they started adding sectors to it. Uh, but it was always kind of telecom into tech, software and stuff like that. So that's that's how I ended up here. And uh, so I was kind of at the epicenter of the tech bubble because I started RBC in uh, 97. And uh, so I kind of, you know, watched, watched the bubble go up and was, you know, kind of part of it. Um, and then watched it uh, come down and uh, managed to survive the whole uh, experience. And um, so that's that's kind of the uh, the genesis of how, how, how I ended up here. Um, over the years, I've taken different mandates from the uh, from the firm and stuff. And uh, back in the 2016, when, when Rayma Winnie was, um, was retiring, um, you know, I'd actually been doing a lot of Canadian stuff at that point. They basically said, Hey, do you want to come, you, you want to come back and do tech? And I said, you know what? I'd love to do that. So that's, that's how I'm here. Wow. And, and so, uh, what, what part of Montreal did you grow up in? 
Um, I grew up in uh, Dorval. Dorval, wow. So I grew up in Beaconsfield, which is oh. uh, I didn't even know that coming coming into the <laughs> the, 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 the taping. So that's uh, yeah. that's interesting. Yeah, we oui, bonjour à tous uh, tous nos amis à, à Montréal. Yeah, yeah for sure. We'll so we'll, we'll do a we'll do a French version of this. Uh, and uh, on, on 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 a replay, but that but that's, that's my name. <laughs> like that's that's just so amazing. So so you were you were right there at, at really the start of all of this. Yeah. Um. And 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 does does that is is that does that shape your view of where we are right now, or does it make you um, more skeptical uh, when when we get into a period of enthusiasm like we have right now, or or, or or is it? Does it allow you to just see that that where we are right now is just so dramatically different, so so much past where we were in the 1990s, uh, that that you see the opportunities? Yeah, well, I I think, like I've said before, I, I think it is very different. Uh, back in the bubble, like everything was was brand new. Like we use a lot of mental models here, and one of the ones that we like to use is uh, something that was coined by a, a gentleman named Michael Mobison called "fill and kill." And what the, what the, the idea behind that is that you have, um, whenever you have a whole new ecosystem, what happens is that uh, speciation follows, which is all these species or entities come in to fill up the ecosystem. And, um, and basically it kind of overcrowds the, the ecosystem and it gets to the point where uh, the system can't handle that many new entities. And it's happened in every industry. You think of, you know, from hard drives to automobiles, you know, there, was, there used to be like 85 car companies in America, and now we're down to, you know, basically two and three, if you consider Chrysler American anymore. But um, anyway, um, so back in back in the, the tech bubble, it was a brand new ecosystem. No one had ever seen anything like this before. So you had this flooding of, of ideas and companies come into it, and you kind of had to step back and say, like, most of these things are not going to survive and that's exactly what happened so you had this so you have this the, the the ecosystem gets filled and then it goes through a killing process where they basically thin out the herd so that's what we had in the in uh, in the tech bubble today is much different because these are very well seasoned companies with real revenues real returns real business uh, real business plans real products like you name it uh, these things are for real, and like, and at the end of the day, the most exciting thing about being here is, like, this is this is kind of the epicenter of innovation, and um, it's just every day you learn something new, and uh, I, you know, I, I couldn't imagine doing anything else. Yeah, it's uh, it, it it really is an exciting space, and and uh, we should get Rob in. I, I'm I'm assuming Rob, you you grew up in Point Claire, uh, right in between us, or, or, <laughs> or are you from another part of the yeah, country? Yeah, cl- close enough. No, I'm I'm born and raised in Toronto. I, I took uh, French immersion through school, so I don't know if that counts. But I'm a I'm a homegrown Torontonian. So so we can do the French podcast later. But uh, so, so, <laughs> so where, what uh, how did you get into to investing? Is it a similar story or or, or something different? Yeah, I mean maybe not quite as exciting as as Marcello's, but I. I also took finance in, in university and, you know, I knew I wanted to do something in the finance field. I wasn't sure, you know, exactly where and what that role might be. Um, and, you know, a few years after school, I, I realized that where I wanted to be was in equity research. So I actually started my, my career on the, in the, on the capital market side where I spent a number of years doing equity research, which 
if you're curious and a know-it-all, there's not many better jobs out there for you. So I, it was a great experience um, covering a range of sectors in Canada. So I started doing a lot of research on the consumer side first. Um, and then eventually actually, you know, pretty quickly actually moved over to technology. So I spent a lot of time doing technology as well as doing some um, healthcare technology. And eventually a spot opened up on the buy side. And I knew eventually I wanted to, to kind of move to, you know, to the asset management side of the, the industry. And, and um, luckily joined the team at RBC in 2012. I originally started, started on the global equity team. So working with um, George Lewis, the former head of wealth management for the bank. And, and um, you know, I, I was focused on the consumer and healthcare side of the industry or of the, uh, the market, just given my background. And, um, you know, similar to Marcello, I, I worked close with Ray Mawinney and, and, you know, in 2016, um, you know, the, the North American equity team thought it'd be good to put myself with Marcello, just given our, our you know, complementary but diverse backgrounds and, and kind of take over the full responsibility for our healthcare and technology. Uh, and we're both uh, Italian. Uh, portfolios. And we're, both and we're both Italian, so it, it made sense to, to pair the two of us and separate us from the rest of the team. So that's uh, that, that that's where the the expertise in uh, in in high tech lies. Uh, I think we, we we were all uh, we, you can tell we were all uh, uh, influenced by Ray Mawinney, uh through through our careers. We uh, obviously met with uh, Miss Ray. Uh, maybe he's even listening, so we'll hope for that. But Rob, let, 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 let's let's start because of your 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 expertise in in, in health sciences, uh, the the vaccine. And the the development of the vaccine that we've seen through the through the COVID crisis and the speed with which it was achieved uh, is is that is, is is that something that surprises you or or something that having having watched this and, and watched technology evolve uh, in that area is is it something that you, you you thought was a was a possibility? No, I, I mean I, I'll be hap very happy to admit that I was wrong. I thought that um, I was more confident that we would get to effective treatments or effective therapeutics as opposed to effective vaccines. I thought the timeline would be much longer. Um, so I'm very happy to, you know, to have been wrong by probably about a year or so. I thought it was going to take an extra year versus what it what it actually did. Um, in hindsight, it, I can understand where, why I was wrong. I mean, one, there was no real historical context for, for something to happen as quickly as it did. Uh, and two, I just, I just completely did not appreciate the power of an industry coming together um, and just, you know, putting everything out there and, and being able to get something to to market as quickly as they did. I, I very much underestimated what that ability was. Um, you know, thankfully, there was a lot of companies out there with some vaccine expertise uh, and new technologies that were sort of working in this field. So there was, you know, wasn't necessarily a start from zero, but um, completely astonished and, and, you know, beyond impressed about how um, the whole vaccine story came together. So, so let 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 let's talk about uh, let let's focus more on 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 say the last year in in this space because it's uh, it it's it's been you know a pretty amazing story in terms of uh, COVID hits. Uh, many people are sent home to work from to to work from home instead of working in the office, and you, you really start to see. Uh, how the evolution of technology, the internet, Wi-Fi, everything um, comes together to allow basically the world to keep going in the midst of this global pandemic. And, and as 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 you as you look at it, Marcello, when 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 we were first, and it's it's pretty much a year ago today, 
that we were uh, that we were first uh, put, put into a lockdown and the first travel restrictions were, were placed uh, on, on Europe. Uh, are, are, are you are, are you surprised at how uh, easily we were able to adapt and, and, and take in these technologies and use them to to, to continue to work uh, and be productive? Uh, I don't know if I'm, I guess, I guess I'm surprised at the speed that we managed to do it more than anything. But I think, I think these technologies were already, had already set us on a path where we could do all of this. And, and what the, what the virus did was really just kind of pull everything forward. And I mean, I, I know there's nothing new in that because it's been repeated enough times, but like just about every single trend. Uh, that's supported by this technology has been accelerated by by the by the virus and the pandemic. Um, so no, it do, it doesn't surprise me. But but the speed that we did it and um, the fact that the um, the fact that the the, uh, the the companies involved, um, you know, managed to get through the pandemic as well as they did was is you know just very impressive, very impressive. And it's just again, it's just. You know, like I said earlier, this is like the most innovative part of the economy. Um, so, so you, you, you know, it's just kind of ingrained in everyone who's involved in it to basically solve problems. And uh, and I think that that's what that's what happened at the end of the day. And 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 so you we we you know re- really the, the markets start to react to the to 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 the pandemic uh, in the middle of February. Uh, bottom out towards the end of of, of March, March twenty third, to be to be specific, um, and and then we rally from there. So, if, so if you think of the experience um, as as you're coming into you know through January, early February, global growth is pretty good. The technology sector is 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 doing well and dr- driving a lot of that growth and innovation, as you say. Um, h- how do you how do you manage? What were you doing through your your portfolio as you, as you move from pre pandemic? Through the crux of the market crisis part of the pandemic, and and then position the portfolio coming out to take advantage of of how technology uh, help help the world manage through the the, the 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 early stages of the pandemic. Oh, um, I, I'm sure Rob is going to have some uh, some points to throw in here, but like if I remember back to that period, um, we, we became very active. Um, basically kind of shifting things around the portfolio. Um, It was clear that some companies were gonna benefit more than others. So we were uh, obviously adding to positions there. It was clear that some would be losers in this uh, area. So uh, the same thing, um, basically taking some money out of there. Um, What, you know, at first we were all pretty, uh, it was kind of frightening to be be completely candid. but once we saw like the central banks around the world um, throwing liquidity at the market the way it did, it just it became kind of maybe not obvious, but it became very beneficial to any asset that that had like a long duration. Um, that's just a finance concept. I hope that the listeners will understand. But uh, and technology um, companies, um, you know, we're, we're always kind of really discounting the far future. Uh, when it comes to these type of companies, so so they have longer durations, and as you know from from valuing bonds and anything, whenever uh, interest rates drop um, the way that they did, uh, long duration assets benefit uh, more so than others, and um, 
So, so that was another element that, that uh, came into play here, um, benefiting the uh, portfolio. Uh, Rob, do you want to throw in a few uh, a few thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah, sure. I, I would say, I mean, one, it was it was unbelievably challenging, and, and it was on challenging on the downside, and, and almost more challenging actually coming out of you know the, the depths of it. Because um, the, the only reason I say that is on the downside, um, there's a little bit of a playbook. It's let's make sure we understand what companies could go to zero um, because. You know, if if the economy is going to shut down, like there's going to be some companies that are not going to potentially be able to survive, and let's let's understand where our risks are there, um, and you know, reposition a little bit more to the companies that we know are going to come out the other side. Um, what was more challenging though was coming out of it is just it was such a, a V off the bottom that you it was you just did not want to believe it, um, and it was a test of forgetting your own preconceptions and just kind of letting the market tell you what is happening and trust what the market action is suggesting to you as opposed to what you think reality should be difficult um, as it was just difficult wanting to stay invested in some of these names just because of the uncertainty so it was it was a big challenge um, you know we made some mistakes we you know we got a few things right um, and you know thankfully you know we're we feel like there's a light now at the end of the tunnel, um, knock on wood. Um, but yeah, it was very, very um, stomach-turning few months there last year. So, so what were what were maybe some of the, the two or three of the, the the key areas or themes that you that you focused on um, as as we were bouncing into that recovery and and what you thought would 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 play out, say through you know th- from April through to the election last year. Well, if I'm if I'm thinking about it, um, it was clear that uh, a lot of retail was going to move online, so that was probably the most obvious one. And um, you know, so so anybody who was you know deeply involved in in online retail, you know, was bound to be a beneficiary. But then there's the entire ecosystem around that. So you have all of the online advertising platforms and companies like that so um so those benefited as well and then there was all the kind of work from home players out there that you know made sure that uh connections were happening made make sure that security was in place for those connections you know et cetera et cetera Um, i'm sure rob's got a few thoughts too um yeah i mean along the same lines it was just really again following a playbook until there was high confidence on a vaccine is we had to let the you know quote unquote work from home sort of run the playbook um with a close eye to vaccine developments because that was you know understandably going to be um where there could have been an inflection in the market um so it it, you know to marcello's point it really again uh like many others focusing on work from home and, and really avoiding names that were overly exposed to, to either brick and mortar or um, or just a more open economy. Yeah, and I mean, obvi- and you obviously did a fantastic job uh, managing through that. Uh, so, so then we kind of get to the next phase of, of, of the crisis. So we have the U.S. election and, and, and get a get a result that I think from a Canadian investment perspective that, that people were, were fairly comfortable with. And then a week later, you get the announcement on the vaccine. Uh, at, at that point, are you are you shifting your portfolio, or, or were you already in the process of, of moving things around in advance of the election, 
based on on the way you thought it might play out and that the vaccine might be coming in the not too distant future maybe a couple things the one the one qualifier there is what made it even more complicated is that the election wasn't necessarily a fully clear result so um, you know, while Biden won, there was still a lot of uncertainty around how Congress was going to fall. Um, and if you recall, there was a runoff in Georgia that really sort of changed the complexion of the Senate. So it was a little bit of a move right away. Um, but it's also the fact that, you know, what happened in January was going to very much dictate what was going to happen with stimulus, which was going to be, a, you know, an important driver, we thought, for 2021. Um, and, and ahead of the vaccine developments, you know, it, it was difficult because even at that point, we didn't really have much indication that the vaccines were going to be as good as they were. So it, it was difficult to do much pre-positioning. Um, I don't know if Marcello wanted to, to jump in with thoughts as well. Yeah, no, um, that's that's uh, that's all right. And uh, but we did, uh, you know, we did a little bit around the fringes because um, we figured at at some point the mark the market's always forward looking. So um, as it became, I, I guess, I don't know if it was August or thereabouts, it started to become a little bit clearer that the, the vaccines were on an accelerated timeline. So we started, we started moving some things around a little bit um, and reversing some of the positions that we'd taken. Um, and we also uh, manage a, a number of other growth funds as well. So, so you, you would see those actions more in those funds where we, you know, we could actually add some, you know, hotel companies, uh, dabble in the, the odd airline and things like that, restaurants. Um, but um, for the most part, I guess, you know, a little bit uh, less focus on some of the work from home um, type names. And, you know, there's, there's a number of technology companies that, that were kind of uh, harmed from, um, from the pandemic in terms of any any company that has that relies on long sales cycles and, and sales forces and lots of uh, um, kind of professional services and the development work uh, to, to implement systems, the, uh, those guys all saw their 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 business slow down because they couldn't get people into their clients' locations. So we started, you know, adding to those type of names. Um, and most of those are are very large, well-known kind of software and uh, IT services companies. So, uh, so we started kind of moving in that direction. Yeah, and, 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 and I, think, uh, I, I think what I take away from this discussion uh, with, with, with both of you walking through the, just again, walking through the whole circumstances coming in to the, to the COVID crisis through and then as, as, we, as we recover out of it from a market perspective is just the level of activity and, 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 and the expertise of being able to, to sit and look and identify you know, fairly quickly the areas where you wanted to, that, that you thought would be winners and position the portfolio, but then constantly adjusting along the way as, as the situation's changing. I, I mean, I, I guess I would take it that that's why you got into the business to begin with, which is we started with. Uh, but, and, and as Rob said, it was a, it was a pretty exciting time. Yeah. I mean, one thing I'd add to that is there, there's, um, there's increasingly this focus on, you know, value versus growth and cyclicality versus this. And increasingly, you know, a lot of firms are, um, I mean, they take action based on, on uh, factors, like growth factors, momentum factors, and all these factors. So, so that's kind of an overlay into all of this where um, you see the entire blocks of stocks move all in one direction because there's a, there's a lot of players out there who are playing these factors. And it's, it's, 
it adds a level of complexity to managing this because as we've seen in the in the most recent uh, last couple of days like the you know and you see it within tech itself um like the growth tech stocks the other days were like hammered okay and and some of the value tech stocks were actually up on the day um at the same time um you know some of the reopening trades were up very big and and then you know yesterday was the exact opposite all the growth tech stocks were all up together the the value tech stocks were all down together um and so so it's just it's adding it's adding complexity i, I wish i didn't have to deal with it because i'd rather just pick stocks that uh, I, and i think rob agrees we'd, we'd rather pick stocks that we just like but um, you always have to be uh, cognizant of some of the stuff that's going on on top of that. Yeah, well, I mean, that brings us forward to, uh, to, to, to where I wanted to go next, which is, you know, kind of where we're sitting right now. And uh, obviously we've seen uh, treasury yields, so, so, so interest rates and concerns about inflation. Uh, interest rates have moved higher and it, it sort of shifted the dynamic uh, in, in, in the sector. We've seen, you know, some additional volatility. Uh, where where do you think we are right now, and 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 how are you managing through through this period, Rob? Well, again, I think we're trying to stay tactical because we we are very confident around the long term um, opportunities within uh, life sciences and technology, um, but we're aware that you know on a shorter term basis, you know, inside of a year. Um, Likely in 2021, more things are going to be driven by, um, you know, one, the absolute, but more importantly, the pace of change in, in yields and inflation and, and just market expectations around that. So, you know, we're trying to be we're trying to be tactical. I mean, we're not we're going to stick with the names that we like best um, and then around the margin where we can tactically sort of play around names that maybe have, um, you know, that can maybe soften some of the blow of a rising yield environment. So, you know, maybe the higher, you know hyper growth names are probably going to make up you know a smaller portion of what we do this year um or at, least, at the very least we're going to be more selective about which of those names are included because as a group in a rising rate environment um they're probably more susceptible so one example of sort of how we're thinking tactically uh for 2021. yeah marcello yeah um and um within tech there's there's plenty of sub-segments that are economically sensitive that'll be able to, to kind of play into the reopening um, for, you know, there's, for example, um, there's a lot of uh, uh, computer-aided computer -aided design companies, robotics companies, um, you know, there's, there's certain players that uh, are going to benefit from um, uh, travel in particular. Uh, payments companies. So we've kind of we've we've shifted the portfolio to actually, um, you know, raise our weights in in that area as well. And, and and you know, is 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 your view that that this that this backup in interest rates is is something that's going to continue, or is it, or is this something that it, it, it's happened very quickly, and 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 we kind of level off here and 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 take a step back? What are what are what are, what are your thoughts on that? And, and is that impacting the way that you're, you're, you're managing your portfolios? Rob, do you want to handle that one or? Yeah, I can start and then feel free to come in as well. Um, so I'd say one thing, you know, yeah. the way we look at it is we're, 
we're not macro experts. So to come out and, and give point estimates of where we think rates will be at the end of the year, we think is a bit of a fool's game for our perspective. Um, but we we think that the upward pressure is, or we think the pressure is probably to the upside. Um, you know, given the pace of how things have moved, um, you know, it probably would seem sensible that we're going to get some sort of digestion in the near term. Um, but you know, we're we're trying to say again, we're trying to stay nimble um, to the fact that things don't always happen rationally. So you know, a move from 150 to two on the 10 year. And you know, from you know minus 50, 60, minus 60 on real yields to zero, you know, in theory happens in small increments, but in reality, um, you know, we know it can happen very quickly. So, you know, we're trying to keep our finger on the pulse and making sure we're not caught off guard um, and not trying to make too many predictions and just let the market sort of dictate to us what the right strategy should be. Um, yeah. You know, from you know in 2021. Yeah, and, and, and it's it's too bad that we're doing this as a podcast. It's not a it's not a video because uh, the listeners could see just uh, how nimble you two look. You're two very nimble looking guys. So uh, so so they they'd be uh, their their confidence would be that that would be inspiring. So but just trust me, they they, they, they know how to move around. Now, now Marcello, I, I was I was listening to uh, to something you recorded the the other day, and it it, it kind of caught my attention. I thought it was I thought it was an interesting perspective. And, and a lot of talk about it because the, the, the stock has, has bounced around. We're not going to get into too many specific companies, but, but a lot of people look at Tesla and Elon Musk. And uh, you, you see this company that has risen to this incredible valuation. You know, w- what lesson do you think investors, just, just are, an average investor can learn from the experience with Tesla and, 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 and what do you do with that, in your opinion, from an investment perspective? Well, I mean, I think you'd mentioned it earlier. Tesla has become the uh, kind of the poster child for, for electric vehicles. So, um, you know, so, so my hat goes off to Elon Musk for, for you know, taking the lead there. Uh, what he's done there is, is, is quite something. But again, coming back to my earlier point uh, of fill and kill, whenever you have a new ecosystem, you have a whole bunch of species that come in to fill the ecosystem. And Tesla was the, the first of any, of any uh, significance. But you know, now you've, you've, got, you've got a lot of big boys coming in to play the game as well. And, and Volkswagen is actually the largest manufacturer of electric vehicles right now. And it's just People don't really realize that. And the one, the one lesson I would say, you know, share with investors is, um, you know, um, imitation is the, uh, what's that phrase from, um, from Peter Lynch? Imitation is the sincerest, sincerest form of battery. <laughs> so, um, so we're getting to this, this place now where a lot of big boys are showing up to the game. Um, they know what they're doing. Um, they're, they're not stupid. Volkswagen knows what they're doing. Chevrolet, General Motors knows what they're doing. And uh, again, coming back to tech investing, nothing hurts a tech investment like a lot of competition. Um, and this is not small guys showing up to the party here. These are big guys. So, um, you know, we We'd rather just be very careful around Tesla. We, we don't own it at the moment. Um, 
we think that if the sentiment changes because of the valuation, oh, and I forgot to mention it, I'm not sure where it stands today, but you know, a couple of weeks ago, Tesla was worth more than all of the OEMs combined. Um, and, and Elon's done a great job of, of um, he, he's, he's, he's brilliant at adding S-curves to his business, even, even if they're not there. Um, but he's brilliant at it. You know, oh, we're a car company. Oh, we're a truck company. We're an SUV company. Oh, we're a battery company. Oh, we're, we're going to be selling insurance. Uh, so, so he adds all these S-curves and he helps keep the, the dream alive. Um, but like I said, competition is coming. Um, the stock is very dependent on sentiment. And when competition, when, when, when people are able to see the, the market shares start to shift and Tesla is going to go from 100% market share to something lower. Um, the market, tech markets don't usually take that too well. So, um, so we'll have to see how it plays out. Um, and my, my betting is that it's, it's not going to be the easiest, um, the easiest to needle to thread for, for yeah, Mr. And, and, and I, think, I think one of the, the, the key takeaways for listeners is, is that whole idea of, of sentiment driving the stock as much as anything yeah. that's happening within the actual business. And, and, and that when you're, yeah. when you're buying into sentiment, maybe, maybe GameStop is an example of that uh, for, for, for people who watch that. Exactly. Um, it, it, it's really hard. It's harder to know where you really are, when you should be in, when you shouldn't be in, you're, 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 you're playing a game and it's, it's, it, it, it could work out the wrong way. Yeah. So, like, you know, I, I think I forgot to mention, but Elon's done a really good job of, of positioning Tesla as something other than a car company. But at the end of the day, the it is a car company, and it's it's gonna it's gonna live and die by by its car company environment. So, Rob, what what are the what are the, the, the a couple of areas right now as you look, and, and not not just over the next couple of months, but you know, over the next decade. What, what do you? What, what are the two areas of, 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 of that that you work in that you think are, are the most exciting from your perspective across technology or health sciences? Yeah, maybe, maybe I'll, I'll give you sort of two broad or a couple of broad ones, you know, in, in each group. So all of the themes that you hear about out there, whether it's big data, artificial intelligence, um, um, uh, the EV, the electric vehicle, automatic, you know. Um, the um, self-driving cars, all of these things are really powered by chips. And, um, you know, semiconductors, you know, I, I'd love to say I'm the one who coined it, but semiconductors are really kind of the new oil. And um, it's just an exciting industry that's going to power all of these important themes. So, you know, I'm very constructive over a long period of time on semiconductors broadly. Within healthcare, again, just a broad group, biotechnology is going to be, you know, one of the, the, the key themes over the next decade, in my opinion. Um, you know, we got a glimpse of it with how quickly a vaccine was developed, and it just goes to show the power of data and the power of how we are now able to more quickly, efficiently, and cost-effectively uh, sequence genomes and what that's going to mean for drug development. So I think, you know, those are two areas I'm very excited by. I think there's going to be a lot of humongous opportunities um, over the next decade, and and uh, just feel fortunate to be able to spend my day looking at these individual stocks in those sectors. 
Yeah, I, I have to admit, when when as as I interview different investment managers, I'm uh, I, I I'm I'm I feel pretty good about uh, the, the job that I have, and uh, they, they seem they're investing in a very boring area. I'm I'm, I'm kind of jealous as I listen to you guys because this is a, this is a pretty exciting place to be. Mar- Marcello, what, what, same same question to you. What 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 are what are a couple areas that you think are particularly exciting? Um, I, I would say. Um, I'm still really um, bullish on kind of the digital um, transformation of enterprise. Um, I mean, if there's one thing the pandemic showed, it was kind of like that classic Warren Buffett line about, you know, when when the water recedes, you get to see who's swimming naked. And I think what I think what the pandemic showed was um, you had a lot of companies that were dependent on third party retailers to move their goods. And they woke up one day and discovered that all the malls were closed and they had no way to sell things. Or if they did, they were dependent, highly dependent on, on Amazon. Um, so they, they quickly realized that they needed to, uh, to basically uh, have an avenue to, to digitally um, interact with their client base. Um, so that's a perfect example of, of what needs to be done um, and it's and it it permeates the like it's just about every enterprise across all their operations. So so still really excited about that. Um, and the other thing is just, I mean, even though it's been it's been 20 years that we've had kind of online like the internet in terms of the opportunities for advertising and things like that. Um, I mean, this this market we you know. So internet advertising has now exceeded uh, television advertising, but but TV is now, for the first time ever, has actually started TV advertising starting to roll over, um, and for years we were expecting that to happen and it didn't happen and now it's starting to happen. So it might bounce back now that we get back from the uh, from the pandemic, but um, so that money is shifting, and it's going to shift somewhere, um, but. It's not just about advertising. Bernstein just did a, did a, a paper on this uh, or a, a report, and we've, we've already been kind of thinking about this a long time, but it's not just about advertising because um, companies have, you know, they have, sh- they have uh, promotional fees, slotting fees, and, you know, to make sure that, that their products are at eye level on, on the pharmacy shelves and, and shelves and things like that. So, so all those promotional dollars are shifting as well. And when um, you're doing this, and it's benefiting a number of companies that have just absolutely incredible operating leverage, where they're getting like 80, 80 cents on the dollar falls to the bottom line, and they're already at scale. So as more and more of this money kind of shifts over, I, I think these companies are already gigantic, and I just think they're getting bigger. Wow. Well, uh, guys, thank you very much for your uh, for your time today. I, I think one of the reasons uh, I, I love doing these podcasts and 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 sharing them with uh, with with all the listeners uh, is to you know I get the pleasure of working very closely with our investment management teams and 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 see you guys all, all, all the time. Uh, but but for everyone to appreciate the, the the depth and level of understanding, but the passion. Uh, to find those great opportunities, uh, the dedication that, a, that an investment manager has to have uh, 
uh, to, to maneuver as, as, as you've clearly highlighted. So very, very complex markets with lots of different things going on. Uh, it, it, it's really amazing. You And you, you guys have done a, a fantastic job uh, over the last year doing that. So, uh, so Rob Marcello, thank you very much for your time today. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate thank it. Thank you for having us.